Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,251. You better buckle up because today, well, today we're going to go faster in a streetcar than anyone ever has. Hold on and be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in sunny West Palm Beach, Florida. What a delightful place to be in the middle of winter with a very special guest by the name of Johnny Bomer. Johnny, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, sir. Ready to let her fly. Yeah, no kidding. And fly is what this guy likes to do. Now, before I give you an introduction and we dive into what you've done, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about Johnny Bomer? Ah, well, um, I love animals. Got a bunch of dogs. And uh, my most important accomplishment period in the world is uh, raising three kids and being married for 35 years and all of them in college and two graduated. And, you know, uh, I've always been racing and doing stuff most of my life between motorcycles and cars. But that's the number one accomplishment, you know. Well, being a, a fellow father, I understand that uh, completely. Got two kids who've graduated and gone on and created great lives. So, uh, yeah, that's a good feeling, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And uh, no easy accomplishment. Comes with a lot of sacrifice and hard work, but boy, it warms the heart. That's for sure. It is, especially in this type of industry because it requires a lot of, which I've not done. I could have done a lot more, but I don't travel as much a lot of the other people do. I'm kind of a homebody, but I do work at a center, uh, so I'm up there quite a bit, but uh, I try to try to stick around the house. <laughs> Absolutely. Wonderful. Congratulations. So let me give you an introduction here. Johnny Bomber is the founder of Johnny Bomber Proving Grounds, a company which provides guidelines, consulting, and testing in accordance with numerous testing facilities throughout the United States. Past Cars yeah, guest Richard Rawlings of the Gas Monkey Garage fame sponsored and partnered with Johnny in his what he calls BAD, B-A-D-D, GT project, and they submitted its place as the fastest street legal car in the world. This thing reached a stunning 310.8 miles per hour. I can't even imagine that would blow my toupee right off the top of my head. Well, I guess it already did. <laughs> the car performed so well during the test that uh, fuel tech traction control uh, was one of the features there, and Jason Gatlin's tuning capabilities that, uh, well, Johnny decided to stay on the throttle and push through the final drive gears, and he thinks that what he's got here is just be the beginning of pushing the limits on this car. I can't even imagine. So we're going to give thanks to a uh, uh, one of our sponsors here, and we come back. We're going to figure out how on earth this guy went so fast. So keep the seatbelts tight. You're going to need them today. We'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up. But my usage was the same, and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner 
that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. TechForce is a charity of choice here at Cars, yeah. Auto techs are in high demand, but the supply... It's critically short. For every one tech who graduates school, there's five jobs waiting for them. Said another way, four technician jobs go unfilled for every technician graduate. Lots of young people love cars, but don't know how to turn that passion into their careers. TechForce Foundation shows them through career exploration, technical education, and the workforce development solutions. Join Cars yeah in supporting TechForce Foundation and its mission to solve the technician shortage by donating at techforce.org today. So, Johnny, let's go back a little bit first before we talk about this speed record. I want to talk about what Johnny Bomer Proving Grounds is. What is this all about? And talk a little bit about your history as a hot rod builder. I understand you race motorcycles. Uh, We're in an awesome shop today that is filled with all sorts of toys. This career you've built. Kind of walk us through what it is. You know, I, I've been involved in racing since a little kid because my brothers were flat trackers and raced with some of the greats like Gary Nixon and all that. And I was drug around as a little kid. My brothers were quite a bit older than I was. Um, I, my mom had me when she was fairly late. So it, it, uh, it's been in my blood. I've always liked doing it. I started racing, racing motocross and uh, this, that, and the other. And then I started working on cars and I was driving around you know, on the street when I was 14 years old, I was in Kentucky. So it was a lot more lax, of course, than it is today. But uh, I was around farm, farm equipment and all that. I've been always messing around with mechanical stuff. And I've just had a good time doing this kind of stuff. And it's progressed, you know, from day one, Johnny Bomber Proving Grounds was something that I approached NASA. Uh, I had a race car shop called Performance Power LLC before uh, I made Johnny Bomer Racing the the new name. And around 2009, I was up there. I was doing some alloy development with Pratt and Whitney uh, for the SSME, which is the Space Shuttle Main Engine, and uh, it was called Pandaloy. And um, I was able to get a license agreement with Pratt and Whitney to do uh, additional stuff with it for from suppressors to golf clubs to pistons and connecting rods just any others real strong high high uh, high strength aluminum that still had real good ductility it's a whole nother story but anyway uh, i was up there at the runway and i was meeting with the guys at nasa in the swamp works which is their division of a skunk works uh, it's a lot of top secret stuff in there going on that would blow your mind and 
I noticed the runway was uh, somewhat vacant other than the shuttle was still in, in operation. The shuttle ran until, what, 2013, I think. So I, I proposed that we start a testing program, a vehicle testing program. It's the flattest piece of concrete in the world, less than a quarter inch variation over three miles. Whoa. And it's all concrete and it's 100 yards wide with an additional 50 foot of uh, traffic lane on either side of that. So you got a 400 foot wide span. Now, just think about the last time you stood on a football field, turn it sideways, and then drive for 10 minutes in normal traffic. And that's how far you've gone on this runway, three miles. Holy cow. And it's Whoa. all concrete. I've got Johnny uh, JB Proving Grounds is the website for that facility, and there's specs there on the runway. I started... NASA agreed to do some stuff and I started bringing in NASCAR teams and all kinds of different people said there's, you know, and I I spent years developing this, this, uh, and getting the name out there with, with all the different teams. I mean, I do a lot with the IndyCar teams. Um, you really can't name somebody that hasn't come out there and tested most of the testing we do, uh, which is probably 95% of what we do is, is a straight line aerodynamic testing. That is just uh, 70 mile an hour coast down tractor trailers, Taxi cabs, school buses, Teslas, Lucids, you name it. They come out there and they they go to 70, they slow down, see how far it coasts. They get out the laptops, they they make a change, they do it again all, all night long. We did 277 days last year, something like that. Whoa. A lot of testing. Now, occasionally, I will test drive for some manufacturers and they give me a new car. I've driven some incredible ex- exotics, you, you know, and they give me a car and tell me to break it. I'm really good at breaking stuff. <laughs> Break it. Yeah, here's a Bugatti Chiron. Break it. <laughs> yeah, I've been in a Bugatti 260. Wow. A Chiron. It's on my website. You can go there and look. Uh, and then the owner went like 261 or something in it. But whoa, I've, I've got to drive a lot of neat stuff, man. And uh, a lot of it's fun. And I have four trucks. And there's been a bunch of different cars I've brought out there. And, they, you know, we do stuff like brake tests and 100, uh, zero to 100 and back to zero. And then full speed stops and then repetitive full speed stops till brake failure. And then, uh, you know, body rolls, try to flip them over, that kind of stuff. So I've got to do that stuff for a long time. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a cool career. You know, this is a testament to your vision and your entrepreneurship, because to be down there with the NASA guys and the magic that they do and then see this piece of concrete that most people go, eh, place for the shuttle to land. No, I think there's another opportunity here because I don't think any privateer would go and build that strip of concrete. It would be way too expensive. I mean, couldn't do it. Yeah, couldn't. Absolutely. Yeah. So the fact that you had that vision and now you enable people to do testing and so forth. And as you say, you go out and break stuff. That's very, very cool. I love it. Well, that's a nice lead into the bad GT and your relationship with Richard Rawlings. How would you connect with Richard? It's funny. There was a gentleman down here in Stewart, Florida, which is right by West Palm, named Byron Burkhart. Really nice guy. And he he was aware of what I was doing. He would come by my shop and he saw I had two or three four G. I worked on a lot of people's cars. I had a, a, a high performance car shop and I did that for years. Before that, I had a forklift shop. We can talk about that. Probably <laughs> slow to heavy, fast. <laughs> well, I've been working heavy equipment, man. I mean, I've been around equipment most of my life. But so Byron was really good friends with Richard, and they actually won the Gumball Rally. Uh, at right. one point, I forget when, when Richard, when, when Richard won that, Byron was the the passenger and uh, Byron introduced me to Richard and we hit it off. And I, you know, you know, I, it, what people say is I want to, I want to be the first guy to go 300. You know, a lot of people uh, will just laugh at you. Richard actually, that sounds pretty cool because there, there's interviews with me back in 
2008 or something like that. I think Matt Sarah interviewed me at a supercar rally. You know who Matt Sarah is? Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, I said, I want to be the first car to go 300 course. The internet was in its infancy then. It was still going along, but it still, the ridicule I got was, you I could never be done. You got to go to Bonneville. I said, no, you don't. So, you know, I've had a, I've had a lot of adversity and a lot of a lot of doubters, man. <laughs> yeah. There's always naysayers in the world that say you can't. But, you know, I want to dive a little deeper into this because 300 is an insane number. And even 200 is a pretty crazy number. Now, I know there's more supercars nowadays that'll exceed that. But still, when you start reaching certain speeds, different things start to happen and some bad things can happen. So let's talk about this. You went out and bought a Ford GT, which... First gen, right? When they first came out. That's correct. Which yeah. I've been able to drive some of those cars. Uh, magical, cool cars. But still, you're talking about speeds that the Ford guys probably didn't think that car could go. So start me on that process. Well, when I bought the car, it was 2006. And the salesman, a gentleman named Tom Donnellan, who was an incredible car aficionado, he's passed on sadly, but uh, I bought the car brand new. I had a heavy equipment business. I was making a little bit of money and it was uh, like 175000 They weren't cheap. That was a lot of money, you know? Oh, yeah. But I bought the car and uh, I was talking with him. He goes, you know, you know, he knew my background. He said, John, you going to make this the fastest car in the world. And I said, Tom, I think I will. And I had the car a few weeks and within... A few weeks, the supercharger was off the car, and we were figuring out a way to put on a, a twin, build a twin turbo. And uh, it's sadly what happens when you give a redneck something really nice. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make changes, you know. And it's not for the good. That's what I did. Is I took it apart and I said, you know, and, and let me tell you, this has been a really long and hard road. I've been dreaming about this for 16 years. I can't tell you how many engines I've blown up and failures and transmission parts. And, you know, I had to find everything, as you know, in the automotive world, you make one change, it affects five other things. I have broken everything. I used to drag race the car. I quit drag racing it because I broke gearboxes and cars very fast in a quarter mile for what it was. But at the end of the day, I said, nobody really cares about the quarter mile in this realm of supercars. They'd rather see top speed. And I, I, and I got lucky on that because that's what the case was. But I took the car. And I just started making changes. It went from a thousand to fourteen hundred horse, and then seventeen to eighteen hundred horse. Um, you know, over the years, it's it's the first car to go two fifty officially in the standing mile. Did that March fourteenth, two thousand ten officially, and that was a big deal. Ford had some cars here, four or five Ford GTs. Engineers were telling me you can't do this and I, you can't do that. And I think their top speed on one of their modified cars was two seventeen, and that's when I went two fifty two. And those guys were walking around my car scratching their heads. And they just like, how'd you do that? I said, and listen to you guys. Cause at the time I said, I wanted to go 250. That was unheard of unheard in the standing mile, unheard of. And then uh, from there, I started testing a car again. I set the first Guinness world record with it at NASA Kennedy space center. And then was it, it was 2012, October 16th, 2012. I had the Guinness official there. You, the, you go to Guinness world, Guinness site, you can see the video. And I went 283 miles an hour in a standing mile from a dick. 21 and a half seconds. And uh, that was a world record that to this day has not been beaten. There has been one other car that exceeded that. He went about 300 miles, another Ford GT 300.04, but his car didn't meet any of the qualifications because I was in a street car class, street tires, license tag, insurance, headlights, taillights, passenger seat, AC's got to blow less than 60 degrees and they check it. Um, there's a lot of rules and the DOT tires is tough because the highest you can get to 186 like YZ rated tire. And then yeah. 
then you pull up the starting line and they pull out a stopwatch and you got to drive the car around for 15 minutes. You don't have to go fast, just up and down the runway. They'll wave you in at 15 minutes. You pull up to the starting line and they will watch you. You can only add fuel. If you do anything on the, if you open the deck lid or the hood and you touch any part of the engine, you're disqualified. It's a true streetcar class. Otherwise, you got to come out there in a top fuel dragster or you come out there in something that, you know, they, they tow them to the starting line. They got intercooler, ice down systems and, you know, all that stuff. So after that world record, I drove the car back to West Palm Beach, uh, 180 miles. You know, so, I mean, I, my kids have ridden in this car for years. It's well known all over South Florida. It's been at, I don't hundreds of car shows. And I've taken it out and uh, done a lot of stuff with it over the years and uh, uh, taking my kids to school in it on a regular basis throughout their entire elementary through you know, high school. It's a true street car, got a badass stereo in it. And uh, it's a little <laughs> noisy and wild down. It does have a cage, which is not that great for a street car. But at, at some point I had to put a cage in a car because I was getting up there pretty high. Mile an hour. Oh my gosh, dude. Well, as you said, and I'll use your words, never tell a redneck they can't do something. Oh yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> they'll go they'll go and do it. So talk to our our listeners here. When you start reaching certain speed categories, 200, 250, 275, 300 and plus, different things start to happen and they happen really fast. And my first thought is, how on earth did you do this on street tires because they're nowhere near rating for that? I mean, is that the biggest concern you have when you're doing this? It's a huge concern, but in the Guinness rules, you have to have DOT rated tires, which the highest DOT rated tire uh, a normal human can buy is like a YZ. Now, I think they make a 205 tire, but back then it was a 186 or 187. Uh, of course, you got the Bugatti DOT tire, which they spent a billion dollars on, but they're so wide. They're only for the Bugatti. They're originally for the Veyron, then they went for the Chiron. And the Bugatti that went 304 took seven miles and that was a highly modified car and they won't sell that to the public because they exceeded the tire speed. Back to your, your question about the tires. I did a lot of research on the tires. I figured out a lot of stuff people don't know that I won't tell them, but I tell you, I, I took a very calculated risk and I did the math and I was okay. So, so far I've been okay. There's a lot of stuff people don't understand about ratings and the amount of safety factors built into anything, whether it's a crane lifting something up or a tire going fast. So I, um, and I was driven to do it. So I just, I just took a chance. You flipped a coin and go, man. <laughs> oh man. Oh, scary. Now let's go back to the other question I had. When you reach certain speed levels, could you talk a little bit for us, um, uh, mere mortals that go nowhere near the speeds that you go. There are certain levels you hit speeds where things start to happen incrementally faster and faster and faster and faster. And I can't even imagine. I think the fastest I've been in a car was when I was racing, probably in the 170 range, if that. It's still very fast. So, you know, it's a, did you want to finish up? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I just, yeah. Talk us through a little bit of of those numbers because they're, (laughs) they're scary. They're scary numbers. You know, it, it, I, this, that's the number one question I get asked. What's it like? Do you get tunnel vision? All that stuff. And I don't know if it's because I've got a disconnect with reality uh, <laughs> or, or I've just done it. I've been over 280 in that car well over 100 times. And uh, I've got a lot of seat time in, in a fast car. Um, and I, I crept up on this, uh, you know, as I went. But so far, I, you know, I, when I get in, it's hard to tell the difference between 200 and Really, 300. Really? And I'll tell you why. Because two things I tell people is that if you think about what you're doing, you're in big trouble. You cannot think. It's got to be second nature. I, I don't know why I'm able to do that. But if you're thinking, 
you'll never react to a problem. You, it's impossible at that speed. You're going a 455 feet a second. That's a football field and a half a second. Whoa. So that's cooking biscuits, man. You're moving down the road. <laughs> so, so you can't really explain it other than I just get in it and do it and just stay relaxed and just pay attention because really you can only look at, you're not like daydreaming looking around. I don't know if you saw the video that the first video, the two minute video that I put out. Yes. If you notice, I'm glancing over because that was not intended to be a top speed run. That was a 100% test run, but it was the first test run. We we're going to stretch six out a little bit. Car felt good. It did take a lot more real estate because I was at very low boost level on that. And we'll get to that in a little bit. You asked, how can I go faster? But I was looking over at the V-Box, which was uh, from uh, Race Logic. I have four or five very accurate timing devices in the car, and they're all reading the same. But I was looking over. I saw 303, still had some real estate left. And I was like, damn, this thing's boogie on down the road. I'm, I'm going to stand in it for another second or two or three. And I th saw 307. I was hitting the scramble boost button, but it wasn't working. I didn't realize that at the time. I talk about it at the end of the video, but it, it was uh, my mistake. You had to hold it instead of just push it. I was mis misinformed somewhat on how that worked, but um, I know now. But anyway, I saw that and I just kept looking over. So I'm going for 310. And of course, all my guys, the paramedics, the uh, you know, the rescue dive. We have a rescue diver up here because there's water around that runway. So I have a scuba tank in the car if I go under, if I'm still conscious. You go in the canal, it's the the, the silt and stuff is uh, 10, 10 feet deep. So you're going to be down there for five to 10 minutes before they can get you out. And I have divers there. Uh, we have paramedics. I have a big tow truck with a big winch. It's able to pull you out. You know, if heaven forbid that ever happens, but it, you know, uh, it can. So, uh, it, you know, I, I saw, I went by those guys cause they're down at the end and they were looking at me, you know, because, um, backing up real quick in 2017, when I went 292 miles an hour on discovery channel with Richard Rollins, fast and loud, the parachute broke. And if you watch his video, he plays it and it broke at 292. I stopped the car on brakes and it melted all it, it, the, the calipers all caught on fire and, and, and when they caught on fire, the rotors cracked, but I'm, I was able to get the car stopped. Long story short, room, you know, it was kind of funny. Everybody thought the car was on fire. The, 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 the calipers were on fire, not the rotors, the, the paint, everything. But anyway, um, I, they were thinking I was going to do that same stunt again. The chute deployed beautifully. It's a Stroud safety chute. It functioned exactly as it should, even though I had burned a little bit of it on a previous run that, that day. Um, anyway, the car stopped, but I did skid 1,123 feet. Uh, with the chute. Whoa. So I was coming up on that little road. I had to just stay calm and just do it. But I saw that 310. I lo I'm looking over. People go, what's he looking at? Well, a lot of people figured out what I was looking at. I'm looking at that V-box. Yeah. Of course, I have to let go because remember, that's a manual transmission in that car. I got to shift it. So I'm only driving with one hand part of the run. And then when I go to deploy the parachute, I got to reach way over and look forward and look at that V-box. And, uh, you know, and I saw 310 and I, I deployed the chute. And you got to stay Full throttle, you have to drive through a chute. You can't let up on the throttle or you're going to increase your chance for an accident tenfold. Because it jerks it too much? No, no. What happens is if if you're under full throttle and the chute deploys and it, it gets hit by a small gust of breeze or whatever and it goes off, say, three inches to the left or three inches to the right, if you're coasting, the chute then becomes the driver. Oh, so it'll it'll take the car. You a couple thousand horsepower. It drives through the chute and says, no, sir, you're going here. And it pulls it behind you. So I had to stay in it because I don't have a launcher. We're actually making some changes. We're putting a CO2 launcher because it took my chute 
about a second and a half to deploy. And again, now you're talking another 405. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're again, you're moving. So, so anyway, I did it and I stopped in time. Luckily the scramble boost button wasn't working or I probably would have, uh, gone down, we call it Oh Shit Road, uh, because that's the real good name for it, because it's the last thousand foot before you get to the canal. But, you know, then I had a thousand foot of runoff. So again, that run was not planned on being a big top speed run. But after that, we got back. Car runs fine. It had a coil got a little hot, you know, when I thought I spit a rocker arm or something and and, uh, we let it cool off after the run, it started running perfect. So I did a leak down and compression check. Everything's fine. Uh, I'm going to probably have changed the coils on it because we're running a lot of millijoules through those coils. But anyway, went down and stopped it. And, 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 and I don't really know how to answer that. What happens and what do you feel? I just do it. I wish I could explain that, but I will tell you this. I'm going to be releasing a 360 video soon and you can turn your mouse and see every, the ceiling, the floor, me shifting, all the way, you can go to the back of the car and watch the parachute deploy. It's a full 360 camera. And we did that because that question is asked so often, and there's no way for me to answer it. So I just let you watch it when you drive. Look forward to watching that. I like to talk about challenges in people's lives. The number of challenges around this feat in particular, but no doubt you've had many in your life in building a business, raising kids. I mean, there's always challenges. Is there one that stands out that was what you would call momentous, but looking back taught you a really valuable lesson? In in the car world or in life? Either. Well, I, t- I tell you, I've, I've learned some valuable lessons and, and I've learned them by getting severely ripped off. And, and I, I've always found that the best teacher is pain. <laughs> yes. Because, because you don't forget pain as easily as you forget somebody. And that's why young kids, you tell them, don't do that. It's going to hurt. They got to get hurt because they're gonna, not going to listen to you. You're, you're stupid. You're old. But I was in a heavy equipment business and I've, I've been around tractors and stuff. I went up to Kentucky uh, where I'm from, I'm from Lexington, Kentucky. And I was, um, uh, I went up to buy some forklifts. A guy had 18 forklifts for sale. And I said, I'm going to start a forklift shop because I was a pretty good mechanic. I worked on them and I went up there and looked at them and, um, he showed me all these lifts. Oh, they're all good. They all run. And I trusted the guy and knew it. I bought them. I brought them back and every one of them. And I, and of course I paid to ship them down. Every one of them was an absolute disaster that needed a full rebuild. Oh, no. So I had recently sold my 48 pan head. Uh, motorcycle, which was the 71st one ever built with a factory sidecar, which I rode for years. I sold that bike to buy this stuff. And I got like 17, 18,000 for the bike in the early 90s, which was a lot, but it was a, it was an original bike. Um, now it's worth probably a lot more than that. But um, anyway, I got them down and they were ruined. They were garbage and I'm stuck in a rock and a hard place. When you're behind the eight ball, you got to dig a tunnel, man. And I, I just, uh, I just started working on them. So I went to Forklift College 101. And uh, and I slowly rebuilt every one of those machines. By the time I was done, I resold them all, made money. It took me 10 months to, to, to recover from that. But it was the most valuable thing that ever happened to me in that aspect was that particular failure. I've had other failures similar to that regarding other things. But you know, I I, um, I look back and I started a very lucrative heavy equipment business and I was a crane operator. And after I was done with that, I could fix any type of hydraulic equipment. And uh, and it turned into a really good business, which afforded me the ability to be able to buy a Ford GT. So and bought real estate and commercial real estate. And I was, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm not wealthy. I'm just a hardworking dude that's been lucky. You know, it's a wonderful story. And I had a similar thing where somebody took a lot of money from me and I was livid. And my wife said, you know what? You just got an MBA. That's it. 
on what not to do, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, I call it the college of life. You know, yeah. I, I went to college as a kid. You know, I didn't go to college. I went to University of Kentucky for two years and I hated it and I quit. I, I you know, it just wasn't for me. I'm an outdoor kind of guy, you know? Yeah, I understand. No, you know what you want to do. You know, when you, I like to ask about bucket list items. What's next? Are you looking to beat 310? Well, yes. Here's what's, here's what's on the list. First off, um, I've been 221 on a motorcycle. I'm going 250. That's next. Whoa. Bucket list is 250 on a bike, 300 in a car. I achieved 300 in a car. I want to take the car back out. It's it's sitting on about another six to 700 horsepower because, again, we were at low boost. I'm pretty sure I can crack 320 in the car, uh, which when I do that, it, it's going to put it so far out of reach. It, I, I, I do firmly believe in a streetcar nobody will ever beat it unless somebody really wants. And I've got a lot of big money guys. You got to think about Bugatti. They spent $32 billion on the Chiron project with a B. That's yeah. a B. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're going three or four. So it's not an easy, it's not just about having enough money. You know, you got to be lucky. And I've figured out a bunch of stuff that uh, a lot of people don't. And, and I'll tell you, I can't take credit for all of this, man. I've got an incredible team. Jason from ATF, Automatic Transmission Factory, did the tuning. Roberto from RAV, uh, which is uh, the name of his uh, supercar shop. He does a lot of uh, high-end, very high-end Japanese imports, Skyline right-hand drives and all that. And then... Um, you know, I got a manager, Brian Shepard, who's, uh, you know, is, is incredible. And, 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 and other people, Matt Lundy, Jay Shive, I've had a team around me because there's things I can't do. I can't figure out. I'm, I'm a hack and I can make shit work. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm a decent welder, you know, but I've got ideas and, and, uh, and it took a huge team years to get this to happen. So I don't want to take all the credit by any means. Well, you know what? Mom was right. Surround yourself with winners and you'll be a winner. So, uh, you that's know. right. That's right. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to be a bit of a car psychologist for you today because you are one unique guy, Johnny. This is a very different kind of question that maybe no one's ever asked you. If you were reincarnated as a car, now this isn't what you want to be. This is the guy you see in the mirror every day. You said a regular old guy that likes to get stuff done. What kind of vehicle would you be? But more importantly, why? I'd probably be something like a mid 70s Ford. Okay. Half ton or three quarter ton four wheel drive with a non married two hundred five transfer case and a four speed with worn lockout hubs. <laughs> Pull the gates off of hell. It's going to run forever. I, I drive a Ford F three fifty right now that I bought six months old. It's a it's a seven three. I fully rebuilt it a few years ago, and uh, and it and it it's always got a big trailer behind it. And I've had it all the way through the forklift shop and all that. So probably an old truck or something. Man, I drive a I drive a two thousand and one beat up Honda minivan because I took all the seats out. We bought it new and now it's a backup car and I haul the dogs around. I took them up to Duncan today and we get a pup cup. They get a little cup with some whipped cream in it. And <laughs> so I don't really, you know, race a lot on the street. Uh, I do go really fast on motorcycles occasionally on the street. I've got some Hayabusa's that go, you know, in the 210, 215 range, but I've got, as you can see behind me, a lot of old Kawasaki's and, uh, yeah. and I drive race. Most of them are mid nine seconds, some eight second bikes, but um, but that that's what I'd be, probably an old truck or something. Nothing fine. <laughs> big steel, I, big, big heavy pipe bumper front and rear, you know. I think that makes sense. Now, are you much of a reader? Is there a great book maybe you've l learned something from or enjoyed that you could share? Uh, you know, I love to read, but I because of my lifestyle, the kids and everything, as you well know, raising a family, you don't get much time to read around my house. Um, yeah. And, and I'm an ADD guy, but when I was a kid, I was a voracious reader. I mean, I went to museums and all that stuff. 
books. I loved the Robert E. Howard stuff, Conan, the Barbarian. I loved Carl Edward Wagner, who uh, did the Kane series. I, I did like H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. If you haven't read, if anybody hadn't read that, needs to read it. That book is a special place in my heart because uh, a girl that I was just in love with in junior high gave me that book when she broke up with me. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Heartbreak. You, you know, I read encyclopedias, and I will tell you this. I made my first Guinness World Record attempt in 1972 in Lexington, Kentucky at the Turplin Mall. Guinness was there, and I tried to set the world record for the most pogo jumps. And I was in the 16,000 jump count. What? My pogo stick broke. The screen, the screen broke. And I was pretty devastated, but that was it. It was over. And it was hours. But I was really good. I could ride a unicycle and juggle. I still can ride a unicycle. Not very good, by the way. But <laughs> I uh I I uh when that happened, I said, let's let's do another world record. And I said, I want to do the most pogo jumps with no hands. And I had a different style pogo stick there. And they let me attempt it. And it was 150, 200 jumps with no hands. But they didn't have a category. They, I never got it. But that was my first attempt at the Guinness World Record. But when Ross and Norris McWhorter started the Guinness Book of World Records back in the 60s, I read every page. Robert Earl Hughes, uh, 1,069 pounds. Robert Pershing Wadlow, 8 feet and 11 and a half went eight feet, 11, one half inches tall, died at 21, 491 pounds. I, I, had, I memorized the entire book and I was tested on it. And I, I, I got everything right. So wow, stuff like that sticks in my brain. You know, yeah. stuff in school didn't. But <laughs> <laughs> well, things that were interesting to you, and that's the most important for sure. That's right. So, yeah. if you're having fun, do it. Yeah. I mean, I today if I was born, I'd be a video game kid, probably. So. Well, you and I are from the same era, so I remember when I was a kid in the '60s having that book and just being amazed at some of the records and thinking, could I ever break any of these things? So yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's a so, big accomplishment for me to get the Guinness World Records in my car, that it, which was oh, a huge deal for me. Huge deal. Congratulations. I mean, just incredible. So I like to enable my guests to have some fun here. This means I've got a wide open checkbook for you. I'm going to enable you to take a drive in any vehicle in the world. I'm going to put it in your hands. You can do anything with it. But here's the fun part. you got to take somebody with you, and it could be somebody from the past who's no longer with us which opens up the world to a lot of unique individuals that you can do this ride with. What is the ultimate drive other than a guy who's gone over 300 miles an hour look like for you? Is We're talking about a vehicle. What vehicle would I take? You know what? I've even had some people get a little clever with this. And uh, I had one recently that said, I want to take a ride in a Tesla out in space like that one that Elon shot to Mars. So, okay, that's different. (laughs) You know, honestly, if if, uh, and it's going to tear me up a little bit, but okay. I had a brother that passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. Ah, so a ride with your brother. There you go. Yes. Yeah. And his name was Hemi. Hemi? Really? Hemi. Yeah. And he was, um, he's the reason I do this. Yeah. He was a racer and yeah. um, a big mentor. And he he died when I was 14. Oh, my God. He gosh. disappeared. Yeah, we, we, he disappeared. So, yeah, anyway, went to a lot of races with him. And he was, uh, he was a local hero. So he was obviously an older brother for you, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, he all, all my brothers and sisters were sixteen to nineteen years old when I was born. Yeah, so my grandfather was born in eighteen ninety five. You know, uh, holy cow! Yep, uh, he was a World War One veteran. But you know, people think, oh, you mean you're World War Two? I said, no, World War One. My brother Kenny <laughs> was a legendary guy. He was a rodeo guy. 
incredible motorcycle racer. He raced with Gary Nixon. He won a lot of stuff. He was a super athlete. And uh, he was a big part of my life in my my neighborhood kids. We all grew up with Hemi, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. racing motorcycles when I was seven, eight years old. Oh so gosh. I would go on a motorcycle ride around the world with him. You know, oh, now there you go. I love that. I love that. What, what kind of bikes would you be riding? It That's a tough one. I would probably ride, um, honestly, an old Kawasaki. Oh, really? A couple of Z1900s. You know, I, I think I think about that great. Did you ever watch that great uh, documentary with Ewan McGregor and his buddy riding the GS BMWs around the world? I did not. No, I did not. Oh, see you, you've got to watch that because, uh, yeah, talk about bringing tears to your eyes. I'm sure thinking about your brother watching that show would be absolutely tremendous. He and Ewan McGregor, of course, the movie star and a buddy of his got some BMW GSs and they rode bikes around the whole world. And wow. they, doc- they documented the whole thing. So uh, you'll have to get a hold of that and watch it. But, uh, well, I, I didn't mean to, to tear you up today. But Oh, I, yeah, yeah. You I, told I, me out there, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, you know, I, I think that's the great thing about this question. And, and people brought up people from their past that they could spend time with. And what it tells all of us that still have family members, take time to do things with them, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's paramount. So oh, I wish more than anything I could do that for you. That would be Oh, great. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the one thing he taught me was uh, – uh, Go as hard as you can, as fast as you can. And my midlife crisis started when I was 16 because I realized, wait a minute, every day that goes by, you're not getting back. So well, just go for it, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's true. And you and I at this point in our lives realized that even more. I had a great guest on my show at the time. He was the oldest guest I'd had. He was 92, 91, Bill Neal. He's an automotive painter and artist, really wonderful guy I got to know, good old Texas boy. And he said to me something funny about age. And he said, Mark, let me tell you about age. It's like a roll of toilet paper. As you get to the end, it spins faster and you get more nervous. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> How true so, is that? So you can share that with your buddies. There you go. You know, you have taken me on a tremendous, tremendous journey today, Johnny. I, the great thing about what I do is it's like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. I never know what I'm going to get. And yeah. you have been one sweet guy. And I just can't thank you enough. And my hat's off to you for living the life the way you've lived it, your own terms, doing things the way you want. Could you share with us in this new year some words of inspiration that you could leave us with today? Well, I guess what I would say to people is never let somebody tell you you can't do something. And, um, most of the time, people that don't want you to do something are people that are either jealous or afraid to do it themselves. So my, my thoughts to anybody is, is just go for it. Just do it. And don't listen to experts. I've had every engineer in the world, um, so many different people that were really smart tell me that 250 wasn't achievable, 300. The list goes on and on. So you're never going to get a contract with NASA. I just do it and <laughs> give it a shot, man, because if you, you know, you learn from failure. You got to fail if you're going to win. Yeah. Uh, great quote there, buddy. That's great. Yeah. Ignore the naysayers. How can people follow you and learn more about what you're doing? Uh, let's see. I don't really. I, there's Johnny Bomer Racing on Instagram, which uh, my manager, Brian Shepard, kind of monitors that. Uh, Johnny Bomer Racing has a YouTube channel. And then, of course, Johnny Bomer Proving Grounds has a YouTube channel that's more testing related. You know, I've got hundreds of cars on there. You might like it. They're all short videos. Um and then uh, Johnny Bomer has a Facebook page, and like I said, I'm you know I'm not a big social media expert by any means. Well, you're you're too busy having fun and wasting time on that channel. You're the smart guy. Let someone else do that stuff for you, right? <laughs> well, I don't know how to do it, so yeah, it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for <laughs> yeah, it wasn't for the smart young guys I've got working for me. 
I want to do a quick thank you to uh, Kelly Hunter at SunWest PR. She's the one that got us together today. So, Kelly, thank you for bringing a tremendous, inspiring automotive enthusiast to Cars Yeah. Johnny, Happy New Year to you. Uh, thank you for spending some time and sharing a magical world that you've created. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you very quickly <laughs> down the road. Awesome, man. Great meeting you as well. And uh, same to you. Happy New Year. Everything great. Merry Christmas. All that good stuff. And uh, it's been a great pleasure. And I look forward to talking again. Maybe next time when I go 320, we'll have to do it again. <laughs> we, You're welcome back on Cars Anytime. This was tremendous. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!